Now I am Joan Hogan, and I'm welcoming you to the Prairie Doc radio program. (laughs) Rick Holm, another oldie, but good guy. Our Prairie Doc is in the studio, ready to answer your questions of a medical nature. Dr. Holm's specialty is internal medicine. He's a primary care physician with the Avira Medical Group Brookings, and he's also a clinical professor at the University of South Dakota Sanford School of Medicine. Good morning to both Bob and Rick, and we're just having a good time reminiscing. Old TV. What about Ben Casey? Oh, and Medical Center? Oh, yes. Dr. Kildeer? Oh, uh, you know, I remember uh, watching that. My dad was a salesman who sold mutual funds. And most of the time, you couldn't get to the farmers until after supper. So he was gone a lot of the suppers. In the evenings. Or in oh, the evenings. sure. And my mom and I, you know, my sister would be out somewhere. And my mom and I would watch TV. And I remember, what is it, when uh, the guy before Ben Casey came on and he would do Infinity, Man, Woman, the sign, he would draw on the, on the, on the blackboard. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. The, the female, the male, the, the signs of, and then the, the sign for Infinity, which was uh, eight on its side. And of course, this is this old guy with this weird hair, you know, and of course he was teaching the med students. And uh, and Ben Casey would be there in the group, you know. The beginning of Ben all Casey. The, and okay. I mean, it was uh, that was a p- part of the reason why I was into medicine. I got into medicine because of that very thing. You and your mother sitting watching television. Yeah. All right. Just think in 30 years, kids are going to go, when they're older, remember we used to listen to Dr. Holm and Joan Hogan <laughs> on, on the radio back in the good old days? Uh, what was radio? It will not be a th- the th- it will oh. not be the thing. But you know what the heck? There are all sorts of things that influence you to do what you do. I mean, the other thing that influenced me uh, to go into medicine was uh, the Dr. Bell from DeSmet, who was a magnificent uh, family physician, uh, and I remember him. Um, you know, coming to our our uh, house, actually, Dr. Berman first. Dr. Berman was in D. Smith before Dr. Bell. Uh, Dr. Hansen and Dr. Bell came in the young whippersnappers, and it just about killed Dr. Berman, who had been there for a thousand years. And then these young guys. And come young in. guys came in. Well, Dr. Bell's gone, and uh, and so is Dr. Hansen. You know, they're long gone, but Time they moves they in. practiced. Well, Dr. Hansen moved to Huron, and Dr. Bell stayed as the only guy in town for a thousand years. You know what I mean? Well, he was just... Well, uh, it's wonderful you had those influences because people in Brookings are really glad you did so that we have your medical expertise to share with this community. Right. It's well, wonderful. It's nice You're getting a call. Why don't we take our first break? This is an Ask Anything show. We like to think most of ours are. We usually have a topic to cover. This week, uh, Thursday night, tomorrow night, Dr. Holmes on call with the Prairie Doc will be discussing vascular disease, strokes, and blood pressure. If you have any questions about strokes, you want to give us a call. He has two fine physicians from North North Central Heart who will be joining him tomorrow night. But today, we'd be glad to talk about strokes, heart, or anything that's on your mind, and we'll get to those right after these words. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. We're happy to have you listening this morning. Dr. Rick Holm is here ready to answer any questions you might have of medical nature. And well, I guess we're finished with our nostalgia. Yeah. We're, we're out of the 50s and, my goodness, the 1950s, 1960s, and here we are in 2016. But we do have, we've already had a question come in. We do appreciate your calls and we try to respond to them during the half hour. The question is talking about a yeast infection for a 65-year-old male. How do you stop a recurring, reoccurring yeast infection on a 65-year-old male? 
Well, okay, so the d there's a difference between yeast and fungus. Uh, some funguses, they call them dermatophytes, are really um, the, um, the, the um, planter infection of the foot rash, the, what do they call athlete's foot. And that is a fungus that's really, they set in, and it's really hard to get rid of it. it and uh, I've seen people who came back from uh, World War II, and they had uh, jungle rot, which was uh, fungus, and it was uh, not so moist as yeast. It's a dry, scaly, bubbly uh, thing that you see on people, the bottom of people's feet. And commonly, once it sets in, it's just going to always be there, and it's kind of hard not to have some kind of a recurring uh, athlete's foot type of problem. Uh, and the way I treat that generally is I just suggest people soak their feet in vinegar water, 50-50, or uh, some people have used very dilute do uh, doses of bleach. So soak your feet five minutes once a week in a, in a dilute bleach. Uh, I'd be careful about that, but um, uh, that's one thing to do. Uh, there are creams that you can use, uh, but uh, and then there's a tablet you can use once or twice a week, uh, and those things help. And uh, the biggest thing I think that we should all do is just keep your feet clean, particularly between the toes and the nails, and just be meticulous about cleaning your feet whenever you shower. Now, that's, that aside is my comment about fungus infections. You need to talk to your doctor, and there's expensive pills, and I don't think it's worth it because it almost always comes back, you know, the, and the, the fungus infection that... Uh, that occurs under under the nails. Once you've got it, it's it's a tough thing to to take care of. You yeast know, is another story. Can I just jump in sure. before you get to yeast? When you say fungus, it just won't clear up. Is this something that's in your system and stays in your system for your lifetime once you get it? Why is it? That well, it I mean, keeps it sets up. It sets up, um, you know, uh, uh, camp, and it just doesn't go away. It doesn't I mean, want to leave it's you down inside and in all of that skin deep down in the skin. And in the n underneath the nail, and uh, you know it Extremely just lives difficult. with you. Okay. Just lives with you. Right. I mean, you know that there are more s uh, bacteria on your body than there are cells of you. Bacteria and yeast and and uh, uh, fungus Fungus. and virus and I mean, there we live symbiotically, like pig pen. You know, with these things all flying <laughs> off of you. We're that way. I mean, okay. that's the way we live, and we need to have that. So that's part of it. The yeast, the fungus infections that we have, they they live on our skin. Some of them burrow down, and you know, there's no real completely taking care of the rashes that occur from them. I like to say that the 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 other rash that we have that we claim is just dry skin probably is a is a bit of a fungus, uh, and we just keep it moist and live with it. I think that's it. I like moist cream uh, like V cream or V lotion. Cream and is a little bit better. And that's spelled with a C. C-E-R-A capital V-E. Cream or lotion, which is really good for your hands yes. or your feet. Right. So, so then you want to that switch aside, to Let's talk yeast. about yeast because that's the call. Um, I have yeast infections. So who is it that have yeast infections? The most common yeast infection in a male is under the foreskin on the penis. Uh, the most common uh, place of a yeast infection uh, in a woman is in the vagina. Um, it's hard to, uh, to uh, m m uh, start 
uh, saying to people about what to do for vaginal infections or vaginitis because when you start treating things down there, you mess up the normal flora. And if you talk to my GYN friend Richard Goodvangen, who had done a whole bunch of research on the, the flora, the normal flora of a woman's vagina, he'll tell you that it's, you know, it's, you, you start messing with Mother Nature and you get yourself into trouble. The biggest cause is an antibiotic, uh, and then you wipe off your normal flora, and then in comes the invading yeast, armies of yeast, you know, that type of a thing. Uh, the other the other part of it is is that people who have low grade diabetes or when their sugars get too high or if they've been malnourished for a period of time or if you just get old enough or if you have an immune system problem from chemotherapy or uh, you know an illness that you have that has uh, immune system problems then your normal flora gets easily wiped out and in comes invasion and yeast is one of the invaders. Now, fortunately, it's fairly easy to treat yeast, uh, but uh, if you empirically treat every vaginitis for a yeast, uh, you're going to miss 50% of the time because it's not yeast sometimes. It's sometimes just an invaded back, invading uh, bacteria that's not your normal flora. So uh, the yeast, the, the, the vaginitis story is complicated. Now, I'll give you another place where yeast will come in sometimes, and it's under the folds of fat. Who doesn't have folds of fat? Well, some skinny people don't have folds of fat, but most of us, all of us, have folds of fat, and if there's a lot of folds that never get lifted up and never get dried out, then you'll oftentimes get a yeast infection in there, particularly if there's low-grade diabetes. So what do you do with that? So there's a, the one thing is, is in the nursing home, when they have people who have yeast infections under the folds of fat, they will put you know, old T-shirts that have been cut up and, and put them in the folds. Uh, there's, a, there's an expensive silver-impregnated uh, cloth you can use that resolves it because the silver seems to res- solve the problem. Another thing under folds of fat you can use zinc oxide ointment which is a wonderful barrier and uh, what it does is it prevents moisture from irritating the skin and destroying the skin and macerating the skin so you what the people what will commonly do um, is uh, the same thing we do for little babies who will have yeast infections uh, in their under their diapers and they their immune system is down yeast will invade they'll have a rash the way you know it's yeast is because there's little satellites little tiny little uh, spots of um, of redness that kind of uh, satellite around the major area of redness those satellites say yeast Uh, and uh, you you, with a little kid what we commonly do is clean off the stuff clean the debris and make it nice and clean with uh, soap and water you dry it very good uh, you rub in um, uh, a anti-yeast uh, topical infection um, uh, that uh, you can buy over the counter, and there's several different brands, until it disappears. And then you cover it with the barrier zinc ointment. Zinc oxide ointment is that white stuff that's very sticky and tacky and Hard to clean, but, it, it, but it's a good barrier. It's a barrier. There you go. Now there's a nicer barrier that we have now, and that ha- is the ceramides. 
and that whole thing used to be a prescription. It was very hard to get and because it was so expensive. But now it's all available over the counter. And one version of ceramide, C-E-R-A-M-I-D-E, is V. So I like to recommend to people V, C-E-R-A, capital V-E, has a very nice, pleasant, actual barrier like zinc oxide, which is not so pleasant, but works. Okay. Now, this gentleman called in. He's 65 years old, and the yeast infection is reoccurring. Even though he takes all these steps you suggest, will it still reoccur, or is there a way to prevent this reoccurring? So, um, uh, the Tough uh, question. Make Sorry. sure <laughs> Make sure your sugars are okay. Check your, with your doctor. Make sure you don't have diabetes. Uh, antibiotics should be avoided. Um, and you're going to want to try to establish a normal flora again, you know, I mean, your normal flora. And you want to keep your skin dry and clean. And you can use a barrier like zinc oxide ointment or CeraVe cream, which is a little bit better of a barrier than CeraVe lotion. Lotion is like one of the greatest things. Bob, what were you thinking? Well, is that the reason then that many cultures push circumcision to prevent... Oh, yeah. Diseases like that? Well, actually, you know, there's there's a lot of debate about circumcision. Uh, you want to get into that? That's kind of oh, a fun little sure. chat. Oh, sure. Tell us about circumcision. Okay. Most well, of our sons and husbands have been circumcised yeah, around yeah. this area, right? Right. Okay. Well, and, um, I mean, I, you know, I live in a world of health care and nakedness and examining people all the time. And, it, you know, I lose my – this. I think it's an artificial – uh, barrier that we have in our society, and we, but that's the way it is. So, but I talk about things like penises and vaginas all the time because that's real, and people are reluctant to hear it. But anyway, uh, men will um, uh, be kid, little boys will be circumcised, uh, and they promoted it for the longest time. Uh, particularly the Jewish people did because they realized that there's some problems associated with the foreskin when particularly old guys uh, have foreskins out there and the foreskin, uh, when when erections stop as you get very old, um, then the foreskin gets too tight. The thing that, that keeps the foreskin from getting too tight is that a man will have an erection, right? They, if they're not having sexual activity, they'll still have erections in night, in dreams. I mean, that's just the way guys are. I mean, that's the truth. When the erections go away, then the foreskin gets too tight, and then you can't get the foreskin back, and then there's infections that happen under the foreskin. Isn't that, you never knew that one, did you, Joan? Well, it was not a big concern of mine. (laughs) Obviously, for you guys, you really care. So, uh, and that's a place where yeast occurs. Now, I mean, so the big deal was that they they would have removal of the foreskins. Oh, let's do it when they're little babies and they don't feel anything. Well, they do feel something. So the new debate was whether you make it numb so that the guy, the little baby, even though no matter what you do, the kids are going to cry. Uh, so they do the foreskin removal now with uh, pain relief. The debate, though, is, is it good to take away this foreskin? Because some say it removes uh, a sensitivity that, that young men have when they're making love. And you want, why would you want to lose the ultra uh, sensitivity that you can have uh, when the foreskin has not been removed? And uh, the 
so the swing in the 80s was to not remove the foreskin. I didn't know that. And hmm. so to ask me if our kids, our three boys. How were, about your boys? They did not have circumcision. My wife is a pediatric nurse practitioner. She's on the cutting edge. She's read all the literature. I've read the literature. We all agreed. So our children were not circumcised. Well, your boys will be really happy that you like I'm announcing this on the radio. (laughs) Radio world know that they are not circumcised. But the whole thing came around in the last, you know, 10 or 20 years that there's some data to say, well, there's a higher incidence of infections. There's a higher incidence of problems uh, associated with it and so now everybody's back to f- the removal of the foreskin circumcision in children so so what about your boys they're we're back not to removing it they're no, not ready we're not gonna, they're it's their call <laughs> if they decide ca- to there might be a time when when a guy yeah. gets older and they get into trouble what you do is you numb it and then you can remove the foreskin okay. and, and that a lot of older men who have not had circumcision uh, who are having problems will go forward with that particular okay. procedure all right. Well, one other thing with yeast infection, just curious, when um, years ago when I was, jeez, uh, I'm trying to think, I don't know, 40s or 50s, I had a reoccurring yeast infection, and the doctor said cotton underwear makes a huge difference. Then, and it did, didn't it? Yeah. And so I thought I might mention that, too. The cotton really helps because the the nylon or whatever silk what it doesn't breathe the way cotton does right. so that made that makes it moisture is the problem right so, and, so it, and even men might have undershirts that are you know if they have those roll of fat mm-hmm. if they have undershirts that are uh, not 100% cotton they, they may have a problem trouble. so if they switch to cotton undershirt they can make a world of difference and, just and thought i'd throw that in and i would say drying it out so other people have talked about hair dryers in the vaginal area after a after your shower to make sure that it stays reasonably dry down there. I, You know, you've heard a million things. Right. They all talk about douches, you know, to help prevent problems and vinegar and right. all these different mm-hmm. kinds of douches. And the answer is don't douche. That's not a good thing anymore uh, for the most part. unless Because it's doctor, getting rid of a lot of flora, right? You've got your normal flora. What, you know, you might want to do is to, to, you know, have a normal flora transplant like they're doing for colon, uh, colons who have overgrowth problems doing enemas of fecal material. Yeah, we don't want to talk about that now. See, I'm just saying <laughs> these are tough <laughs> areas tough area. to talk tough about. So. Yeah, thinking about it. Why don't we take uh, a break? Okay. Oh, we're should gonna we take, take a, a break? Oh, we'll go to another topic. Off, Bob, we'll be I... back right after these words. Are we back on the air? We're on the air. Joan Hogan here well, with Dr. Rick Holm. Yeah. We're having wonderful discussions. There, we did have a question come in, but you. But I wanted to finish. Lamisil is an over-the-counter anti-yeast and anti-fungus cream that's generically available and/or it's reasonably cheap. So Lamisil, L-A-M-A-S-I-L. So uh, what I generally do with babies is I I use. I have them rub in Lamisil until it disappears, and then I add the zinc oxide ointment or the CeraVe okay. cream. Well, this was an, I didn't think the question would warrant that much of an answer, but I think you really filled out a lot of information. Well, you know, you can that. take, there's all sorts of tangents that you can talk about when you're talking about question. yeast in particular. Yeah. And, and there is, if a person's having no question about it, yeast problems. Then I'll commonly do di- uh, do one dose of diflucan. For example, a person who has an antibiotic for a bladder infection, right? So you'll if you you know it's a bladder infection. There's blood in the urine. They're having a lot of pain. Uh, 
you give them the antibiotic and then you give them one tablet of Diflucan to take after the antibiotic because you've wiped out their normal flora, they get a yeast vaginitis, the Diflucan solves it. But it isn't that easy because it's more than just yeast that can invade. So it's a problem. Uh, and m- once you start trying to wipe out the bad stuff that's come in, you've also wiping out some of the good stuff that you need to have there. So establishing your own normal flora again is sometimes problematic. And that's what has happened to this gentleman. Well, I hope we've helped him somewhat. I'm sure your Maybe answer we. has. All right. We have another caller with a question and would like to know, during normal aging, does a person's heart rate go up or down? So as you get older, is your heart rate up or down? I, I don't think that there's a there's an, a normal change that I see. I see a lot of different things. as people Not aging-related change. Right, Maybe right, right. that's it. I'll okay. see older people who have a slower heart rate because they're, they are having, with aging, some problems with the electrical system of the heart, and then they have a slower heart rate. I have some people who have a faster heart rate, and that's because there's a different kind of an aging problem with their electrical system. I see people who uh, are older, and since their elasticity of their blood vessels is stiffer, then whenever they stand up, their their ability to squeeze or to relax and to compensate for the blood pressure that drops to their brain uh, their ability to compensate goes away, that they get faster heart rate when they stand, and they need to stand slower. Uh, sometimes they are at risk for passing out at church when they're standing and singing, you know, those kinds of things that you see in the elderly. And um, fast heart rate is something that you would typically see. It doesn't mean normal, but it is part of what it is with the normal aging process. Well, talking about the aging process, I know tomorrow night you might be discussing premature aging of arteries. Yeah. Now, I've not heard of that, and you also said there might be non-surgical methods to prevent premature aging of the arteries. What is that all about? Yes. That's the million-dollar question, because if you think about what uh, we die, from what we die, uh, it is most of the time vascular disease that ages happened, uh, aging happens, and then we have clots that plug off the brain with a stroke or the heart with a heart attack or the kidneys with kidney failure or with the legs uh, with uh, claudication and pain in the legs and loss of blood flow to the legs. 80% of the people that die, uh, 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 die from a vascular uh, process. And, you know, uh, most of that, what we would say is normal aging. It it gets stiffer, uh, clots uh, or atherosclerosis and hardening occurs, and then sometimes uh, 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 clots will occur. Now, know also, though, that uh, we are constantly healing ourselves. If you are 95 years of age and you break a bone, you can heal that bone. That bone will be, it just takes a longer time in the cast for it to get healed again, but it will heal. Everything is constantly healing, changing. And one of the healing processes, if you have a blockage of the artery to the heart, your body will develop collaterals. If there's a lack of blood flow and you start having angina, if you don't have that 
event where it clots off and you have an acute event, you can develop collaterals and your angina will go away over time. Your body is constantly healing. I mean, you think about it, sev- every seven years, you are completely replaced. You don't have one cell in your body that you didn't have seven years, that you had seven years it's ago. It's fascinating to know. But so how do, w- what methods can we use to prevent aging oh, of arteries? Well, That's what we all want to yeah. know. I want to know how to stop it. What can well, I do? stop aging? Or you can't stop aging. No, I can't aging, stop aging. But, but premature aging. That's yeah, the, the question. The aging of the arteries. How yeah. do we delay that? Right. And so... Uh, there are major illnesses that can uh, increase the aging process. Diabetes is a big one. And the uh, tight control of your diabetes is thought to be the best thing you can do. It, it's not perfectly proven, but if you can control your diabetes or not get diabetes by weight and exercise and, and then proper medicine, if it happens anyway, would be the number one thing. Okay. Another uh, very common thing is smoking because uh, it isn't necessarily the nicotine. It isn't the nicotine, really. It's the smoke and the carbon monoxide poisoning that re- reduces the oxygen levels in your bloodstream that causes premature aging of the vessels. And so it's the smoke. And so if you can avoid the smoke, it was the smoke of a campfire would be just as bad. The third thing would be... Um, uh, uh, Sleep apnea. People who go long times without oxygen in the night or the low levels of oxygen in the night have very uh, premature aging of the arteries. And it's a sort of the unknown risk factor that we haven't made enough of a, a fuss about. And I'll do that in my essay tomorrow night. And you'll see on the, in, the, in the newspaper either on Monday. And that is uh, sleep apnea is a real a cause for premature aging of the arteries. Cholesterol is a minor factor, but uh, we've not been able to do much about that. I mean, the cholesterol-lowering drugs that we have lowers cholesterol, but the amount of reduction in in heart disease is minuscule um, uh, or not nearly as effective as we'd like it to be. Of course, it's one option, and so it's one thing that we can do. It's a pill, you know, one of the statins. Uh, so those are the things that I would bring up. I mean, family history is another cause of premature artery disease. Kind of hard to have different, you know, be born of different parents. Yep. You're, you're stuck with them. Okay. We're stuck with them. You know, those. we usually take a third break, but we're going to skip it this time because we only have a couple of minutes remaining. I know tomorrow night you'll also talk about the value of screening and screening aortas and screening art. What do you think of that? And don't they come through like yeah. every four or six months, somebody offering so screening? I think the screening. What are your thoughts on that? Screening for carotid artery disease is pretty um, not very helpful. I mean, maybe occasional rare person will find somebody who has a blockage in a carotid artery that can be fixed. It's got to be more than 90% before you fix it. Um, 50% is pretty normal. I'll blockage of the arteries in the carotids. The aorta is a different story. Those should be screened in every male who smoked in their, his lifetime from the ages of 60 to 75. Why are you ruling out women? Because they don't have enough disease to make it worth doing. Okay. And if you've not smoked, you don't have enough disease enough to cause it worth So a man doing. who has smoked sometime in his life should have an aorta screening. And so that those screenings that they do at the at wherever they do, you know, cheap, just get the aorta screened. If you're 60 to 75 and a male and you've smoked, 
then that's the good screen. That's the good screen. Okay. All right. Well, we're we're running low on time. Twenty seconds. Is that what we have? Twenty seconds. So we hope you've all enjoyed our Prairie Doc Radio program, and we'll listen again for Prairie Doc, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. As always, you can hear and see more from Doctor Home online. Just go to prairiedoc.org. Thanks for joining us today, Rick. That's all till next week. Thank you, Joan. Heart disease tomorrow night, and thank you, Bob. Stay healthy out there, people. <laughs>